0: Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Good morning. We are, uh, we got a lot happening today. I don't know if you noticed. There's a lot going on today. I want to welcome you, of course, to Christ Church. And as you can see, uh, we are kicking off Family Week this week. And so if you're looking to be a part of that, fantastic. Would love to have you Come and join us for that. It is for the whole family experience, not just for kids, but also for adults. So you're invited to be part of that. Uh, and so that's why we got all the cool stuff going on in the backdrops and stuff. But we are also, not only are we starting Family Week this week, uh, we are also kicking off a brand new series. We are starting a new sermon series. Last week we wrapped up Toxic, and we had been uh, spending time with Toxic, right, and protecting ourselves with Toxic stuff in this world This week, we are starting off kind of our summer series and what we're going to be spending the next summer weeks on. And a shout out to you ladies, we're going to spend some particular time looking and talking about women in the scriptures. We're going to be talking about women in the Bible. And I'm actually really excited about this series because what we're going to be doing is not only looking at just women and what we can learn and what we can glean from our sisters, but particularly, you know, one of the problems, one of the hard things when you look at people in the Bible is that when I read about these people in the Bible, when I read about these incredible women, Esther and Ruth and Mary, okay, Mary, the mother of Jesus, when I picture Mary, I always picture Mary with a, uh, what am I, what is this, you guys know this, the halo, right? Yeah, you picture, it's because Mary is, is, we kind of lift her up as this incredible, exemplary person. But one of the things I love about Scripture, one of the things I love about the Bible, is the Bible not only has uh, examples of people who, who have lived rich and full lives in a God-honoring way, but it also has examples of people who, are, who have faults and brokenness as a part of their life, and the Bible's not afraid to, to, talk, to talk about them and to talk about them in light of their brokenness, in light of their faults and some of their struggles. We all face struggles. We all have faults. And so one of the things that we're going to particularly look at this series is not just women, but Wild women. We're going to be looking at wild women from Scripture. Women who sometimes get a bad rap, have a bad reputation. Women who have had struggles. Women who have have had to overcome things. Women who have faults and, and failures and yet still are part of God's story and where we can come alongside them and learn from them, glean from them. Here's the basic idea, kind of underlining this. Often, it is more meaningful often it is more meaningful to actually connect with someone who's broken than someone who's better, right? Sometimes we put people on pedestals and they seem like really far away and they're up on the pedestal, right? But there's something incredible about being able to connect with someone who's had struggle, who's had brokenness as a part of their lives. So we're going to be looking at women from Scripture who are not, not where we're not afraid to examine and look at and come alongside them and learn from them and connect with them as it relates particularly to brokenness and the struggles that sometimes are part of our lives. So we're kicking it off, wild women. And let's be honest, we can't start talking about wild women and brokenness without starting where it all began. And so we are going to be talking this morning about Eve, Eve. How many of you have heard the story of Adam and Eve before? Okay, so like most of you, Adam and Eve is part of our Christian tradition, and so if you're a Christian, this is part of our heritage, and it's one of the very first stories in the Bible, is where God creates the earth, and everything is fantastic, everything is awesome, and he creates Adam, and then he creates Eve. And the idea, the understanding, the way the story goes, is God creates humanity, God has created the whole universe, and now the crown jewel, the incredible, the, 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 that one incredible act that He does is not only make all of creation, but then He makes humanity as part of this creation. And in the beginning, man, everything's good. It's hunky dory. It's awesome. They're hanging out. There's Adam, and there's Eve, and there's God, and there's all of creation, and they're all in right relationship. Everything is going well. There's no, no brokenness. There's no lies, cheating. None of that nasty stuff is a part of the world, really, at this point. There's, there's holistic, healthy marriage between Adam and Eve and their relationship, and they have an intimate relationship with God. Everything is going really well. And so you can see this, actually, in Genesis. Genesis. Genesis is, is, the, is the first book of the Bible and it's where we learn the story of Adam and Eve. And what happens is God comes, he creates Adam, he creates Eve, and he comes to Adam and he comes to Eve and he says this. This is what he says. He says, man, Adam, Eve, this is so good. I'm going to command, uh, you know, the, the Lord God commanded the man, the woman therefore too as well, uh, that commanded humanity, you may eat freely of every tree that's in the garden. You can enjoy every tree that's in the garden, the fruit that's in the garden, this garden, this world this creation that I've made, you get to enjoy it. You can, you can kick back. You can catch some rays. You can eat some tree, you know, fruit from the trees. You can enjoy the creation that I've made. Now, but I, but I also want to be honest with you. I want to be straightforward with you. I've got to warn you about something for your own good. That, that there's this tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you shall not eat of this tree you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of this tree you will die and so i just want to be clear you you can enjoy i have made this for your enjoyment and to be in relationship with you but i want to warn you against this one particular tree this one particular place you shall not eat of this tree and you shall not eat of this fruit and so, uh, for any of you who were back uh, here last week, and you heard about grace and truth to Christian words, Christian ideas. That, that there's this grace, and there's this incredible gift that God gives us. Creation is grace, this incredible gift. God wants what's in, you know, he he gives us and pours out grace, creation to Adam and Eve. But he also is very truthful in saying, "Look, I want to warn you for your own good. Watch out. There's this one tree." And for whatever purpose, I have a reason for it and you need to be careful of this one tree for your own good, okay? So everything is going really well. Well, after everything is going really well and there seems to be this harmony and good stuff. I mean, how many of you have ever seen like a painting of the Garden of Eden? You ever seen a painting of the Garden of Eden? Yeah, a couple hands, right? And it's always like, It looks great, you know, it's just beautiful, serene, it's good, it's beautiful. But there's almost always in most, many of the pictures, many of the the famous paintings have one particular creature that slithers his way into the experience. I'm talking about one particular creature. Does anyone know what it is? Shout it out. The snake, snake. yes, snake, right? Um, Yes, there is in Scripture... This, exp- this story, this experience where a snake comes to Adam and Eve. More particularly, comes to Eve. And he starts talking with Eve. And some of you are like, a talking snake is in the Bible? What? There's, there's, there's also a talking donkey in the Bible. There's some weird stuff in the Bible. But it's cool, trust me. So there's this snake that comes along. And, and what this snake does is have a conversation with Eve. And this is where things can go south. This is where it gets tough. This is where it gets hard. This is where we can really begin to learn and see and understand what Eve experienced. Because Eve gets a bad rap. Eve's got a tough situation. She's got a tough reputation. But I think it has a lot to say that we have to remember there is an evil... The snake is kind of this... he's this He's this evil force, a representative of negative evil in the world that approaches Eve. Eve didn't go looking for the snake. She wasn't going around like, hey, talking snake, let's chat. Scripture describes it that the snake comes to her and starts the conversation. This is what the snake says. He says to the woman, the snake says to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? This is a crafty snake. This is a sneaky snake. Because what he's doing is he's asking a manipulative and leading question. You, you, you've, you've seen those like Law and Order that's on TNT that just all the Law and Order reruns where they're in, they're in the court or suits. Any suits fans? They're in like the court and, and, and the prosecutor or the defender, somebody asks the witness a leading question. You've heard of those? You know what I'm talking about? A leading question? It's a question where it's like, so did you kill the man? Well, that's a leading question. That's assuming something, right? The snake is asking a leading manipulative question. And it's important we take a moment and really look at and understand what is the snake doing? What is this question that he's asking? Why does he ask this particular question? What the snake is doing by asking, did God say, is he's calling into question God's words. God's word. The snake begins unraveling, undermining. He's he's trying to get at what Eve knows from God's words, that God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, look, I love you, I've made you, you're mine, and this whole world is for your joy and betterment. Just stay away from this one tree." And the snake comes along, and he says, Really? Did God, did God really say that? You sure? Are you sure that's what God actually said? And he begins to undermine God's own words. It'd be kind of like this. Let me give you a word picture, an example. If you, uh, just a story. If, if you could picture this. You're in a park, and you're walking through the park, and you notice this birthday party that's happening. And there's this beautiful little uh, six-year-old girl who's got this, this all smiles, and she's got the little tiara, and she's, she's got a birthday, and it's so exciting, and her parents are there. And her parents come up to her, and they give her this incredible gift. It's exactly what she wants. It's a Polly Pocket. It's exactly what she wants. Girls, right? That's my sister. She always wanted a Polly Pocket. So it's a Polly Pocket, and she's thrilled. She's so excited, and her parents give her the Polly Pocket, and they say, honey, dear, we love you. We love you. We want only what's best for you. We love you. As as an example of that, as a a way of showing that, here's a Polly Pocket, happy birthday, honey. But then there's another kid who's there. And the kid walks by, and he's eyeing the Polly Pocket, and he's eyeing the girl. And he walks up, kind of that too cool for school attitude, right? And he walks up, and he says... Wow, so you got a poly pocket, huh? I got a bigger present for my birthday. If your parents love you so much, why'd I get a bigger present than you? You see by asking that question what he's doing is, can you imagine what's going through a little girl's head? I mean, what's every girl, he got a bigger present? Maybe my parents, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Maybe my parents don't love me. If he got, if, if this young, if this boy got something that was better than me, and, and my, but my parents said they loved me, but, 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 but now he's saying, you know, if, if they really loved me, wouldn't they get me something like a pony instead of a Polly Pocket? And all of a sudden, what's, what's taken place is by this one manipulative question the entire relationship between the birthday girl and her parents is changed. Because the girl has now been calling into question what her parents have said, her parents' words to her, and her parents' actions towards her. She's calling it into question because, because the, what the boy suggested, by just planting that seed of suggestion, undermines... All that her parents have accomplished and done for her. That's what's happening with the snake. There's a lot to that question. Did God really say that? You see, God's word is what informs God's image. You know who God is. You know and understand God based on what God has said and done to and for you. You know who God is and, and what he wants for your life and, and how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and, and how he's got plans for you. And He, you know based on what he has said and done to and for you. Based on his words, you have an understanding of who God is. Is. And the same would have been true with Eve. Eve had an understanding of who God is. And the snake comes along and begins to undermine what God has said and therefore change, twist, and influence in a negative way, replacing Eve's understanding and image of who God is. Whoa. Whoa. All of that is in that one little question. Did God really say that? You see, what the snake is doing is he's, he's deceiving Eve, and, and he's beginning to use this, this, this deceptive question that, that, that's pulling her away, that's actually pulling her away from what God has given her to hold on to. God's word. Deception, sneakiness, this, this misuse, deception distances us from God's word. Lies, this, this manipulation, this distances us from God's word. And when we stray from God's word, what God has said to us, what God has said for us, man, life doesn't, it ends in disaster. I mean, you already know this. Think about your own life. When you're in a position where somebody, you're, you're at a, think of a moment or an example or time in life where you are truly in sync with what God has said to you, what God has spoken over you, and you are in a good, healthy understanding of God loves you, God cares for you, God is with you, God will never leave you. He, prom- he says those things to his people, to you. And, and when you trust that, when you understand that, when you hold on to that, you, when you're in sync with that, boy, you can face the struggles. You can handle the challenges. doesn't mean there won't be challenges. doesn't mean there won't be struggles. But you can at least get through them because you have a, a, a God who's going to walk with you through life. Because He said He would be there, and He said He loved me, and He said what He wants for me in my life. But when you leave that, when you, when you distance yourself from what God has said and spoken over you, the warnings that he gives to us on how to live a right life, boy, that ends badly. It ends in disaster. It's hard to go through life not understanding or, or living within what God has spoken to you. Have you ever gone through life thinking that God isn't there? God hates you? God's disappointed with you? I mean, the guilt and the shame that comes with our lives when that's the case is overwhelming. And and it affects not only us, but others around us. And it's because we've distanced ourselves from what God has said, that He loves us, He cares for us, and He is our God. That's what's taking place with Eve. Satan... The snake is often referred to as kind of Satan. I don't want to get into it. There's a whole theological conversation around, like, what was the snake? Who was the snake? Here's, here's what I want you to know. Satan, evil, negative. There, there are evil and negative forces in our world. You've seen them. Turn on the TV. You know when you're looking at evil. I can't, I can't describe it to you perfectly, but you know when you see it, something evil. And there are going to be situations and circumstances in your life where evil is at work. You probably know this already. Where you've been in circumstances or situations that are just evil, bad, negative, dangerous, and you know it. You can, it's almost palp, I mean, you know it because you experience it. Evil's activity, Satan's, this is what he does. He takes what's true, he takes God's word, and and he begins to call it into question, and he twists it just enough that he misconstrues it, and we get confused, and we get flustered. And before we know it, we actually have a different God. This is what I mean. Uh, Gossip is a great example of this. We, use, we, we sometimes rationalize or reason ourselves into poor decisions. Gossip is a perfect example. God says in, his, in, in Scripture, in the Bible, he says gossip's not good. God has said to his people, look, don't gossip. Protect yourselves from it. It's destructive. Gossip ain't good. Nothing good that comes from gossip. So just stay away from it. Like the tree. Stay away from it. It's just not good. Well, what happens is that Evil gets a hold of our lives and somehow we all of a sudden find ourselves in a circumstance We find ourselves in a situation at the office with the cooler and the bubbler and we're all sitting there And it becomes this temptation is there and it's real to begin to gossip And we're sitting there and we're at the bubbler and we're drinking and we're talking and we begin to rationalize in our heads Well, it's okay if I talk about so-and-so Isn't it? I mean, it's 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 just me expressing my concern to someone I miss mean, that's really what I'm doing. I really just care about them. That's why I'm talking about them, and they're not here, and it's behind their back. But that's what I just, you know, and some of it might be critical, but what, I really, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to be sensitive to who they are because I really care about them. And you know what? I'm only talking with, the, these are my bubbler friends, so they're, they're trustworthy, they're, they're my confidants, right? And so it's not like I'm just shouting this out there. So this isn't really gossip, is it? I mean, I'm just really expressing my needs and my, expre- you know, my experiences to these other people around the bubbler. So gossip's not really that bad. I mean, like, really, is it? I mean, come on. And all of a sudden, this, you know how fast that happens, too. You've been there? we reason and we explain our way what happens is evil begins to twist the way we think it twists the truth and before we know it we've given ourselves permission to gossip because well it's not you know gossip's not that bad and god you know god must be okay with this because it's about the other person and i care about them and so not only have we twisted and changed our behavior, our understanding of God's word, but even our, our, our image of who God is. God would, God would be okay with that. And before you know it, you have a God who is okay with gossip, talking behind people's backs, and spreading nasty stuff. That's how this plays out. Dangerous. Martin Luther would say this. Martin Luther is a famous theologian. He wrote a whole ton of books. He, he was a big scholar who studied the Bible uh, uh, deeply. He says, a twofold temptation is put before Eve, and then he goes on. Trust me, it's very long. I read it all, and it's good stuff, but what I want you to focus on is the latter half. Both temptation, temp, the temptation, what's really happening here, what the serpent is really doing here, is that he is, his aim, his, his goal is the same. His goal is to draw Eve away that Eve be drawn away from the word and from faith. You see, faith, belief, you might have heard this before if you're a Christian, if you're not, this is big and fundamental to who we are, that that faith is is, is how we uh, uh, become in right relationship with God once more. And faith is nothing more than believing what God said, that it's true, that God said, I love you. And we say, yeah, I believe that. I have faith in that. I trust that. You said this, I believe it. That's what faith is. And so Satan, evil, their goal of this, the temptation that Eve is in, the temptation Eve faces, is to stop believing in what God has said and allowing her own conclusions to be drawn, suggested by the deception of the snake. It's really sad what happens to Eve, actually. It says in Genesis 3.22, the woman said back to the serpent, she's responding to the serpent, look, we can eat of any of the trees of the garden. We, we, God has given us the whole garden to eat, but you know, he did say, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. You know what's amazing about this verse? You probably don't even notice. I've, re- I've read this a hundred times, and I didn't notice it until I really sat down and looked at it. Eve adds she adds to god's word god didn't say exactly this if you were to go back and you were to look you will find she adds nor shall you touch it god never said that god did not say that god said you shall eat of it and you shall die he didn't say anything about touching and so what, what, what's important here is to see what Eve, what's happened with Eve already. This is why I, can, I think I can empathize with her, because I feel like I do this too. I have, I'm given God's word. And I'm put in circumstances, I'm put in situations where evil is there, and I'm tempted, and there's all this stuff rattling around in my head. And all of a sudden, I take what God has said, and I add to it, or I subtract from it, and I justify myself, my actions, and others. I begin to manipulate God's word itself. And that's the real danger. That's the real danger. Theologians all agree that uh, Adam and Eve uh, didn't mess up when, she, when they ate the actual apple or fruit or whatever, fig. That, that wasn't the moment. No, that, was not biting the, that wasn't the moment. The moment was earlier here. Because this shows that she has lost faith and trust in what God has said and spoken to her for her. Here's a simple reality for us. There are circumstances, situations, and evil forces that will try and undermine your knowledge of and your belief in God's word, what God has said to you for you. This is what we can learn from Eve. That there are negative evil forces at work. And we have to be on guard. We have to to understand and learn from Eve that this is a reality of our world and we have to protect ourselves and be conscious and be careful that we hold true to what God has said and we hold fast to exactly His word Specifically for us as a Christian people, uh, what he says in his scripture, the Bible, is what we believe in. When I say God's word, um, more, more, most, more often than not, what I'm talking of is the Bible. The Bible. This is where we look to. This is where we hear and understand what God has said to God's people. We are God's people, if you're a Christian, uh, and you're in this. He talks to you as God's people. He has words to you and for you that he loves you, that he cares about you. And it's my hope and my prayer that we can learn from Eve that there is danger in the world seeking to undermine that. And that we would stand up, say no. We would have our feelers out and refuse that. We would refute that temptation and stay close to the word of God itself two quick things I want to share with you. One, stay simple. These are recommendations for you. This helps me. Uh, Stay simple. Don't try to overthink or over-rationalize something. If you're put in a situation, if you're putting in a spot and all of a sudden the hairs on the back of your neck go up and you're like, I'm not so sure this is probably a good thing, guess what? It's probably not so much a, that's right. Stay simple. Don't overthink it. Don't rationalize it out. If it's gossip, call it what it is. It's gossip. If it's cheating, call it what it is. It's cheating. Stay simple. Don't overthink it. Second thing, stick to it. That is God's word. Stick to it. Don't go far from it. Keep coming back to church so I can tell you every week, God loves you. God's got a plan for you. He wants what's best for you. Keep keep reading the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, try it. I want to help you try that. There are Bibles on the back tables. Take one with you as you go. Stick close to what God has said to you and for you. Remind yourself of it. Write it on sticky cards and put it in your car so that when you turn on the car tomorrow morning, what do you see? God loves me. He said so. Stick close to it. And should there be moments, should there be moments in your life where for some odd reason, for whatever reason, evil does entice you away, where you feel pulled away, it's important that you remember this. And this is true even of Eve. Regardless of what word the evil in the world has tried to manipulate, God gets the last word. God gets the final word. And his word is the one that counts most. His word is that he loves you, that he is there with you, That he won't leave you. He will not forsake you. He is going to be there and walk with you through the struggles and the trials. That he forgives you when you do fail. That he he renews you. He wants what's best for your marriage, for your children, for your co-workers, for your business, whatever it is. God is for you, not against you. And that's God's final word. It was made known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ. As you walk out today, you're going to be handed something new. It's called a uh, CC Weekly. We're going to try these for a while and see if they work. You'll notice it's got uh, information on one side and further study on the other. If you want to dig in more related to this sermon and the sermon content, look for the further study, and I invite you, get involved in God's word by using the further study. We got to wrap up, so let's pray. Heavenly Father,